The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show online. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. And if you are somebody who watches the show live, go try the podcast today. And if you're somebody who listens to the podcast, maybe tomorrow, watch the show live. We'll switch it up a little bit. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there, celebrating what would have been his 176th birthday. Happy birthday to William McKinley. Okay. Tell me everything about William McKinley, Max. Well, he's one of four presidents that was assassinated. Correct. Uh, That's the headline, right? If If you get shot and killed as a president... Unfortunately then. for him, the Spanish-American War happened under his watch, uh, perhaps mm-hmm. fraudulently. Uh, history would suggest so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was murdered. Well, he was shot at the Pan-American a- Exposition in Buffalo, which is uh, uh, t- t- kind of an adopted home for Matt Stepp, who mm-hmm. also is a member of this show. So, so the four people who were the four. He's also, I believe, one of seven presidents from Ohio. That's a weird thing. I know mm. Taft's from Ohio. Uh, Ohio, King, King Ohio, President. and Virginia is where most pre- most the of the cradle presidents. Are from. Yeah. Um, so there, so four presidents have been assassinated. Yes. Um, one was shot, obviously, in Texas. Mm-hmm. One was shot in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Were the other two in D.C.? Uh, Lincoln no, was Lincoln in D.C. Well, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Lincoln was in, yeah. well, he was in uh, kind no, wasn't Garfield at a train station in Maryland outside of D.C.? Maybe that's it. Yeah, I know it was in the g- kind of greater D.C. area. I, for um, some reason, I want to say it was Baltimore, but I could be wrong. Maybe but it might be Bodymore. I will look Body this up. Bodymore, Bodymore Murderland. Um, and um, and yeah. we're, we've got our we've got our ace fact checker. Do you know Tepper, the first president to have an assassination attempt on his life? I mean, people were trying to kill George Washington, right? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, Wait, what city? First president to have an assassination attempt on his life. I'm gonna go. John Tyler. Incorrect. Earlier. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Who? The correct answer is Andrew Jackson, mm. who was approached. Both pistols misfire, misfired, which is like a one in 10 million chance. Hmm. And then he beat the hell out of the guy with his cane. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, happy birthday, William yeah. McKinley. I like your mountain. It wasn't DC. There you go. There you go. Dang. All right. And sitting to my right, the Adam Levine to my the other guys in Maroon 5, <laughs> our West African <laughs> prince, it's Ishmael Johnson. <laughs> Uh, that's something going around the internet right now. Okay. Is nobody can name the five members <laughs> of Maroon 5. Like the guys who are going to perform the Super Bowl halftime show. Nobody actually knows who's in the band. Right. Um, but it's kind of like the same thing with Coldplay, right? Can you name yeah. anybody besides um, Chris, Martin. Chris, Martin. Chris Martin in no. Coldplay? Nope. Right? If if Levine went solo tomorrow, would, yeah. it, would it matter? Like he no. could just do the Maroon 5 set. Well, and like, like if, his if, live shows. if tomorrow Maroon Five, he gets was, the features anyway. If it like was just songs. us, yeah. like if they just put us, 
if they just put us in Maroon Five tomorrow, no one would notice. <laughs> it'd be like, it'd be like, oh yeah, there's Maroon Five. It's Adam Levine and uh, and, <laughs> it's Adam and the Le- rest of Maroon Five. <laughs> it's, it's Adam Levine and the two dopey white guys and the West African guy. It's like, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's Tuesday, January 29th, oh 2019. Three hundred and three days till Thanksgiving. Episode six ninety nine, six ninety nine. Adrian Beltre's RBIs in his illustrious Texas Rangers career as a future first ballot Hall of Famer, baby. On today's show, we are going to do our SMU post mortem, where we're going to uh, sift through what was, uh, I would say, a disappointing year for SMU. Uh, maybe not bad, but you know, a little bit un- under underappreciated. Uh, and then uh, back after the show, we've got a pair of interviews: one with Mike Fuller, the head coach of Decatur, state semifinalist Decatur, uh, talked with him, and then we talked with uh, Matt Step, caught up with Patrick Shelby, the head coach of McAllen down there at the City of Palms um, uh, clinic down there. Um, one quick thing before we get going, I want to thank the, um, the La Vega, uh, La Vega ISD and the La Vega, the Waco La Vega high school football team, uh, for having me last night as and not murdering and you. not murdering yeah. me. I, I was the keynote speaker at their wonderful banquet, which is at the Baylor club in the, which is in McLean stadium and guys, Oh boy, hmm. this was a nice banquet. I've been, to, I've been to banquets yeah. where it's like, oh, Okay, we're celebrating. You know, it's more important that we're celebrating. Right. You know what I mean? This was like you win a state championship, they're going to roll out the red carpet. Okay. Uh, but uh, Coach Don Hyde was uh, was kind enough to invite me. I spoke for about ten minutes. I did not get booed off the stage like I thought I would. But they did bring up the fact that I brought up that I that I picked against them. Yeah, you did. In the let's title keep. Game. Let's go. Let's I know. That, let's get that record straight. I mentioned that in my <laughs> speech. I said I'm the only member of the Dave Campbell staff who picked against them. <laughs> right? Let, let, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Step. You step. We got ish. the blame. We the whole the whole brand got the blame. I get it. You know. Yeah. You're, you're, you're the guy um, and so yeah they threw us all under the bus yeah. and i was like wait whoa 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 this guy uh, it was him. it was me but they, they only brought that up about 14 times last night uh, <laughs> but it was it was wonderful and then and then uh, i won't talk too much about it but it was a wonderful event and and the one thing i will say is one of the greatest flexes of all time Ooh. after the banquet or the they, the final speaker uh who kind of uh, um kind of closed it all out was the superintendent and she got up there, and she she had some very nice words. She she thanked me, and she thanked everybody for coming. And then she said uh, she led him the school song. She goes, and then when we're done with this, we're gonna play the second half of the state championship game on the McLean Stadium jumbotron, and we've got popcorn if you want to sit out there mm-hmm. and watch the game. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is dope. <laughs> that is how you celebrate a state championship. Yeah, is uh, you watch it on a giant uh, giant video screen. So uh, it was a wonderful evening down there in Waco. I really appreciate the invitation. I really appreciate uh, Coach Hyde's. Uh, invitation for for having having me out and uh, uh, they they even gave me a little football so that I will never forget how wrong I was. Mm. It was great. Let's get into our <laughs> SMU postmortem. Let's sift through the wreckage of the SMU season, which I don't think that's fair. It's not not wreckage. They went five and seven. It could have been. It got better as it went on. It did. It got better. It just didn't finish on that. On Boy, that note. there was a minute. After three games, yep. we were like, Ooh. we were like, this could be a historically terrible team. Um, in fact, if you look at S and P plus, and you look at their uh, win expectancy, mm-hmm. which is basically where they take like the key factors that that are most predictive of wins, um, and they say, okay, in a vacuum, what percentage of the time that do you win this game? First three games, zero percent, <gasps> all three. Uh, it was rough. Anyway. Let's get to uh, SMU. Let's uh, let's talk uh, first about what went right. Uh, what went right is, is obviously things got better, 
And I will say that that really the defense did start to resemble something that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the defense, I don't think anybody's going to mistake it for being um, incredible. But it was, you know, solid. It, it ended up being a solid kind of middle-of-the-road AAC defense. Uh, they were pretty good against the run. Uh, they were pretty good, especially um, up front in their front seven. They were, they were, they were pretty darn solid. Um and, uh, and, and yeah, I think overall, you know, if you're looking for the, the brightest spots, uh, defensively, they were very good in goal line. They were very good in goal, uh, first in goal situations. Uh, they were good when, you know, they, you talk about, I think if you talk to Coach Sonny Dykes, he would tell you, okay, we want to be a bend, don't break defense. Well, it took a minute. Like, mm-hmm. the first couple of games were not pretty. But eventually they got there. And eventually it got to the point where it's like, okay, you can get your yards, but then we're going to bow up at the, po- at, the, at the point where we needed to. And overall, I think the defense is probably the brightest spot uh, that you can say. Oh, you know, the other the other thing is that they did have a pretty explosive rushing attack. It wasn't a great rushing attack. In fact, it wasn't even very good. But they would bust off some big runs on you, mm-hmm. um, and that was one thing that that they really needed. You know, uh, they would. You know, they were only getting two yards of carry, but then they would break off a 35-yard run, and that really saved a lot of their bacon, uh, uh, you know, as far as uh, offense is concerned. So, overall— And honestly, uh, Ben Hicks got his feet under him, yeah, finally. Like, absolutely. It took about a month, because mm-hmm. he watched those first three games, and I think he got benched first in the Michigan game. They mm-hmm. pulled him, he threw a pick six, and— uh, They threw Dykes, William Brown in there. Yeah, right, they threw the freshman William Brown in there. And William Brown, by the way, didn't look terrible. Mm-hmm. I believe he finished with like 65% completion, seven mm-hmm. touchdowns, something like that. Um, not Didn't really turn the ball over. But after that benching, it kind of woke Ben Hicks up a little bit because you look at the numbers, and I think he was benched straight up for the Navy game. I think, yes, I think I that's Boy Brown started that game. And then after September, he kind of started putting up the numbers, right? You're always going to get that, that, that feeling of he's going to turn the ball over with Ben Hicks, mm-hmm. right? But – he gave you why he gave you why Chad Morris never benched him when he was there. Right. right. He gave you the numbers. He gave you the, the the ability to move the ball to spread the ball around, um, and that really helped. And the running game kind of counterbalanced with that. They finally got the running game going. Therefore, Ben Hicks started rolling a little bit more. Yeah. And because um, they got up the big win against Houston, mm-hmm. they got uh, the big win against Tulane. Like a lot of those good shootout. They had the shootout win with a uh, UConn as well. A lot of that coincided with Ben Hicks finally starting to get his well, feet take wet care, with Sonny Dykes' offense. Yeah. Take care of the football. Yeah. Because the thing is, the knock on Ben Hicks was always, yeah, he's going to throw for a fair amount of touchdowns, but he's going to throw it into traffic. And, and, and like, not only is he going to turn the ball over, he's going to... They're gonna, I mean, like there was the pick six streak that I mean, he had yes. going, like where it was like three or four of his picks all went for touchdowns, and it's like, okay, so he's just going to give you the back breaking turnover. Well, that's exactly it. Yeah. Is and and this was a guy who threw fifteen touch, uh, fifteen interceptions as a freshman. Mm-hmm. He threw another twelve interceptions as a sophomore, uh, and it looked very early like, uh oh, yeah. like it's going to be the same thing for Ben Hicks. But you're right, he did get his feet underneath him. So that was that would be probably what went right uh, uh, for uh, for SMU. Also, Sunny Dyke's shoe game. Yes, yeah. shoe game. Always, <laughs> he's always running, rocking the Jordans. Yeah, um, looks good. What, what went wrong? Um, I mean, the early part of the season, um, I think that that went wrong. The other thing about them is they, um, I mean, they did. They, there were a lot of games where they were not competitive. Mm-hmm. Is the problem, especially early. Uh, the Memphis loss is bad. They were not particularly competitive. Honestly, in that, that TCU one. loss looks terrible right now. It really does. Like I mean, not not even that they lost, but they lost by thirty. To get to get your to get your your 
brakes beaten off. It's, yeah. it's, it's not that, you know, early in the season, it looked sure. like, oh, okay, well, hey, TCU went off in the next game. They went right. and they challenged Ohio State or something like that. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case. Um, that didn't end up looking very good. Uh, and overall, in the end, the bottom line is the offense just wasn't good enough. The offense was 117th in rushing S&P, and they were 106th in passing S&P. I think we underestimated how much of an adjustment they would have had to make because mm-hmm. Chad Morris, you know, we thought, okay, this is a similar off, a similar conceptually, mm-hmm. right? They want to spread the ball around the do. I think there were a lot more smaller details, like the fact that Sonny Dykes is more of a direct air raid mm-hmm. coach. And I think that there took some time to get that underneath him because well, Sonny Dykes does have a lot more multiple elements to his offense than just shotgun five wide, four wide. You, line you're exactly around. right. And the thing is, like this is not this was not an efficient offense. Right. They were not efficient, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You can get away with that mm-hmm. if you're explosive. Sure. If you're just if you're like okay, yeah, you know, we, we yeah we face a lot of third and sevens, but we hit huge plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Central Florida has kind of lived like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not always super efficient, but they are explosive, mm-hmm. um, and they, they hit big place the problem was that smu was not explosive enough to counteract their inefficiency right and they just were not effective enough just you know on on first down they were not effective enough i mean this was a team that uh their average third down distance was 8.3 yards that's 119th in the nation that's terrible you cannot win like that plain and simple uh and by the way it, they weren't particularly good at converting any sort of third down they were bad on third down they were th- they were 100 they're dead last in converting third and long and they were dead last in um and they were 102nd in converting third and short mm-hmm. like they were not good uh plain and simple and so uh for me that's the biggest problem the biggest problem is that they were they were they were setting themselves up on first and second down with uh, with pretty much impossible situations on third down, and that the numbers don't have to bear that out. Mm-hmm. You can watch those games, and you are seeing okay, they are facing third and six every single play. You can't live like that, and you can't win like that, especially you know in the AAC. And so, to me, that's the biggest thing is that you know you look at standard downs, right? Uh, their standard downs efficiency was 120th in the nation. <laughs> they were not good on first and second down, and that was setting them up on third downs where. They were basically hoping that they were explosive enough to come up with a big play, and the big mm-hmm. play just didn't come along. Yeah. So overall, that's what went wrong, I would say, for for uh, SMU offensively. Um, offensive MVP, I think it's probably James Prochet, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we wondered who was going to step up in, in the void uh, left by their two outstanding receivers who went to the NFL draft last year. And... Um, it was James Prochet in a big, big way too. I mean, he they they pretty much said, "You're our guy." I mean, he got targeted 146 times. Man, that's, that's a <laughs> lot. Hey, if he got him, I guess he was him. exactly. I mean, they went to him all the time. Yeah. I mean, he had 46 more targets than the next guy, um, and then and passed that between him and Reggie Roberson Jr. Um, the next guy had, was was a running back in Braden West who had 52 targets. I mean, they were the two guys in the go-to go-to offensively uh, for them. And you know what? He was very solid. I mean, uh, almost 1,200, just shade under 1,200 yards receiving, uh, 93 catches, uh, 12 touchdowns. Uh, this guy, I think, was probably uh, undisputedly uh, their their most explosive weapon. And when they needed a big play, and and he was the guy. Um, that that they went to, so I would say that he was um, he was their offensive MVP, uh, defensive MVP, a little bit tougher, but I think hmm, I don't know. Uh, do you have a particular? 
I would say maybe yeah. Richard Moore. Yeah, Richard Moore maybe is is the guy that you go with. Made um, the proactive yeah, part, plays on on. Part on of defense. it is that he, you know, that's easy to say because he because he, he led the team in tackles, but at the same time, I think that he was probably their most. I think you give it to Kyron Mitchell too. Yeah. I think both those guys were really kind of uh, when we talk about how they were pretty solid in the front seven. A lot of it's that linebacker core, Richard Moore yeah. and Kyron Mitchell. I'll probably I'll 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 go co MVPs. I'll say go. Kyron Moore and Richard Moore uh, or Kyron Mitchell and and Richard Moore were, were probably the two most valuable defensive players there uh, for them, and I think the most consistent uh, players for them. So that would be my pick there. And so then where do they go from here? Um, well, Ben Hicks is gone. Ben Hicks is gone, so it's a new age <laughs> yep. there. Ben Hicks is transferring to Arkansas uh, to be with Chad Which Morris. Which is kind of funny because, like, remember last year when he was giving those interviews and just kind of throwing shade at Chad yeah. Morris when that once the Dykes was there and now they're, like, getting back together? Yeah, yeah. it is odd. That one I think there. he realized, he's like, you know what, I should probably go back to when it was good for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Um, So they're going to, you know, uh, there's, there's big questions for this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, they're losing the quarterback. I think, I mean, underrated, they're losing They're losing Braden West. And yeah. I know that when you think of SMU, you don't think of running the ball, but they have to have a running a- element to their game. I do know Kimon Freeman and Xavier Jones yes, come back. They do. So there's some stability or some, some uh, replacement by committee maybe, mm-hmm. you know, um, or if one of those guys just kind of takes the leap and just becomes that feature back. The second year under Dykes, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we, we saw Will Brown this season. If he's the guy going to the future, you know, there's obviously some comfortability, some familiarity there. Again, he didn't play bad. It's just the offense kind of stalled with him mm-hmm. often. So they kind of threw Ben Hicks in there because he's willing to take that deep shot. If, if if Will Brown takes that next step and gets a little bit more yeah. aggressive, maybe then, maybe then he becomes that guy. And who knows? Um, I know they had a quarterback in the recent uh, signee class. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and by the way, their recruiting class is looking pretty darn good. Yeah, it's it's looking as far as AAC is concerned. Again, so we're judging we're not judging this against the the A&Ms and the Texas right, sure, and, uh, sure. of the world, but they are putting together a pretty solid recruiting class mm-hmm. right now. The other thing that I think is going to be really interesting is that the, then they're going to have a second year under defensive coordinator Kevin Kane, mm-hmm. and I think you saw that defense improve. And again, it wasn't the the overall numbers are not super pretty, but right. like a lot of the uh, the efficiency numbers, like the the deep numbers, I think are 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 promising. So a second year under the defensive coordinator Kevin Kane, I think will be promising. Um, and so look, I think there's a reason for optimism, but there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of question marks. Quarterback, running back, they do get James Prochet and Reggie Roberson back, which I think will be helpful. And Terrence so, Gibson from Westfield, that was who yeah. they signed, but he tore his ACL, so he's probably right. not going to play until you know. So overall, I mean, I think that there there is reason for optimism here for for SMU. But the, the the biggest question, obviously, is going to be quarterback, mm-hmm. um, and then they got to figure out, you know, what you know, what does this defense look like, um, you know, under in a second year under defensive coordinator Kevin Kane. So, sure. uh, I you know, I think it's reasonable to expect them to get to a bowl game next year. I think five and seven to six and six is, is very reasonable. Five and three in the conference. Yeah, I mean, or just no, so four don't four. don't no, start four and four in the conference. Don't don't look terrible in your first three games, and maybe <laughs> things will be better. Well, yeah. but you know, like Jacob John says, that you know, North Texas game is going to be the barometer. Exactly. It yeah, always you know, is. For both programs. You yeah. Know, so. Let's take a, it always is. take a little brief look at their... Yeah, look at their schedule real quick. Paul and Ish is looking up the schedule. Looking up stuff on live streaming. Uh, Arkansas State, North that. Texas, Texas State next year. So okay. And TCU. And TCU, yeah. That's going to be interesting. I mean, you got, like you said, the North Texas game Texas will be the barometer. you probably beat Texas State. probably beat Texas State. That's going to be interesting. Because TCU is, there's Who some knows? questions about them. Who knows? 
It'll be interesting. Uh, SMU is going to be one of the more fascinating teams, I think, heading into 2019. For sure. That's going to do... Or no, that's not... Whoa! Oh my gosh. Whoa! Hey! I'm sorry. Show. We have one more breaks, segment. Sir. We have one more segment. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. And become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash Insider. We were all across the state this past weekend talking with coaches at coaching clinics. Uh, we stayed local at the DFW Coaches Clinic in Grapevine. Caught up with the head coach of the state semifinals, Decatur Eagles, Coach Mike Fuller. Great conversation with Coach Fuller. Here's our conversation with Decatur Coach Mike Fuller here on Texas Football Today. Greg Tepper, Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com here at the DFW Coaches Clinic in Grapevine uh, with the head coach of the state semifinalist, Decatur Eagles, Coach Mike Fuller. Coach, uh, I got to tell you, there, there was a moment about midway through the season where I did not think I would be describing the Decatur Eagles as state semifinalists. Uh, I mean, what can you possibly say about the remarkable year you guys had? Uh, what a ride. Uh, I don't even know really where to start. I can say that we, we may be one of the few, if not if not the only one team to ever go eight and seven in Texas high school football history. Uh, but it was, it was just a testament to our kids because we knew it was tough and we knew, we knew going in that it could be a really tough stretch in our non-district. Uh, then we started playing a little bit better and, uh, and then started having some injuries. Uh, so those things coupled together, just the, the fact that the kids stuck together and turned towards each other instead of turning out on on anybody, any critics or anything like that, uh, was a really testament to them and, and to how they were raised, and and to the coaches' staff too. They did a they did a good job of, of keeping everybody focused on just trying to get better and not so much worried about what our record was. But it was a it was a great ride, and we got we got all those guys back healthy at, at just the right time. Yeah, it, it was really fun to, to watch you guys play. And, and one thing I'm interested in from your perspective, you know, you're watching this team, you know, week in and week out, and even when even even when the record wasn't wasn't pretty. Was there this notion in the back of your head that, like, man, if things just break a certain way, like, we, we can still be a pretty, pretty solid team? Right. You know, we, like, like any team does, when we, we play our five non-district games and we go to the open week and we, we hit the reset button and, and now know that the games start, start counting for real. Uh, so we got, a lot better, we got a lot better then. But, you know, I think, the thing, I think one of the things that, that people forget is that you may not win games. Uh, you may not win every game, but, but if you're getting better – your coaches can see it, and you can show the players where there's improvement. So there can definitely be improvement without it without it being uh, the, the kind of reward that you want in a in a victory. Uh, but those kids kept, I mean, they kept seeing that and and believing in it. And and I think the good thing about starting off slow is that even late in the year, uh, they they know that we've got to get better. So they were they were intent on trying to improve and get and get uh, you know as good as we could possibly get every week. Uh, and, and and we weren't going to overlook anybody. We couldn't. You guys play, you end up playing 16 weeks, uh, you know, 15 games. What does that run do for the program going forward? That, you know, yes, it's it's great to make the state semifinals and, and all that fun stuff, but but in the end, what, what is that going to do for your program uh, kind of going forward? Well, I think for the, you know, for the kids coming back and the kids that participated with us that we moved up for the playoffs, there's an extra five weeks of practice uh, that a lot of schools don't get. Um, it's just a... It's 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 uh it's something for the younger kids coming up, and I don't just mean the the seventh graders and the fifth graders. I mean the kids that are coming back that that can look to a story 
that when that when one day they're you know they're they're struggling they start off you know one and four or they've got a losing record uh, late in the season uh, to not give up and know that that uh, that it can happen and, and you can make a turnaround and, and really write your own story and the good thing about it is it's not just some mythical team that you have to tell them about or a story that you have to talk about or read somewhere it was it was something that they actually saw and and remembered because I don't think there's a kid in Decatur that that, that wasn't a part of it. Yeah, it, it, it was, like I said, a remarkable story and a remarkable team to watch. Uh, you know, one guy that I know that uh, that you know pretty well as a quarterback, uh, Roman Fuller, right. comes in and, 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 you know, it seemed to me, and, and you're the guy who sees him every day in practice, so I'm interested in, in, in kind of your thoughts. It seemed to me that th- that that's a guy who benefited from just getting more reps out there and just getting more experience. It seemed like even, you know, yeah, it, it ended in the, in the state semifinals, but leading up to that, it seemed like he was just a different quarterback from when he started. Right. You know, his first game out was was as rough a game as you can have for a, for a quarterback at any level, much less when your dad's the head coach um, and our team played. So we, we just played bad all around. Uh, but I was really proud of him the way that he bounced back. And like you said, I mean, the more reps you get, the more, t- the more time you have to do whatever it is that you like to do, uh, whether you're a journalist, whether you're you're a reporter, whether you're a, a football player, basketball player, oh, we don't need to practice, yeah, but go. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the more time you spend doing what it is you do at at game speed, uh, obviously the the more improvement you can have. And you know, he, uh, I think he was in a tough situation, especially with we had a we had a returning. We thought we had a returning all-state uh, quarterback, and he decided not to play, and and uh, you know he had to learn learn on the fly but really he he got him he, he improved every week and got better as we went along as as did the rest of our team um so then i, I want to know what you're doing here you know you we, you hear all the time from from coaches that you know the off season is a time for uh for getting better not only as a team but as coach staff what uh what are what are you hoping to gain from from events like this like the dfw coach clinic it's I, I think everybody here is trying trying to learn something that they can use for their program to make them better whether it's a whether it's something for off season whether it's a drill whether it's a way to practice, whether it's a scheme, whatever it is, that's that's what we're all doing uh, constantly. I think that's probably why so many coaches watch a lot of football games and record them on TV too. But uh, just trying to find find a way to get a little bit better, plus uh, you know catch up with with a lot of friends that that uh, you know a lot of us haven't seen in a while. Finally, coach, um, people may may remember that you are you are actually quoted in, in the 2018 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. I don't know if you remember this, but I called you. Okay. And I asked you about a player who doesn't play for, for Decatur. I asked you about DeMarco Foster at, at, at Wichita Falls Hershey. We were writing that story about him because, um, you know, back in 2017, he, he had a pretty good game against you guys. Uh, two, two pretty good games. But you end up getting the last, the last laugh. I'm, uh, you know, that, obviously a tremendous player in a really good program in Hershey, but was there an extra sense of satisfaction knowing what had happened the last time you guys had played them uh, to be able to nip them? Yeah, I, I, for our team, for sure. You know, the, just, just the fact that Hershey beat us in district and knocked us out of the playoffs in the third round last year, uh, to return that favor exactly the same way, knocking, you know, be, beating them in district and knocking them out of the playoffs is, is very rewarding. As far as DeMarquay Foster is concerned, I got to visit with him on the sideline during our JV game. He's an unbelievable young man, so there's no no personal satisfaction there. He, he's a great player, and, and I, I really look forward to seeing him at TCU. But you are glad you don't have to coach against him anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely, I'm glad. Coach, appreciate your time. Right, thank you. There he is, Mike Fuller, head coach of the Decatur Eagles, who made such a remarkable run through the playoffs. 
uh, to the state semifinals and uh, back for more next year. By the way, I was updating the uh, the record books um, uh, yesterday on TexasFootball.com. I'm almost done, so if there's a record missing, I'm still getting to it. Uh, but uh, Roman Fuller, um, I believe he set a record. Like he's in he's in the top ten for like attempts and completions in a single season. Like he was slinging it yesterday. So uh, appreciate uh, Coach Mike Fuller hopping on with us down at the DFW Coaches Clinic. So let's go from north to south down to the Rio Grande Valley in McAllen, where Matt Stepp caught up with uh, McAllen coach Patrick Shelby. Uh, didn't have to go far, just down the street. So here is Matt Stepp's conversation with McAllen coach Patrick Shelby here on Texas Football Today. Matt Stepp with Dave Campbell's Texas Football back here at the City of Palms Coaches Clinic here with the new head coach of the McAllen Bulldogs, Coach Patrick Shelby. Uh, coach, thanks for taking a few minutes to uh, chat with us today. I'm sure it's been a pretty crazy week for you, hasn't it? Uh, yes, sir, man. It's been real busy. I've uh, been real thankful to have an opportunity that I'm getting right now, and, uh, you know, it's time to go to work. I say, you're a football coach, so you're probably ready to, ready to go and just get into offseason and kind of just get going on it right now, aren't you? Uh, yes, sir. You know, um, you know, really, really excited. You know, got a great group of kids. Um, ready to see them get to action and get to work and see what we can get going over there. All right, now uh, you were at a successful program at, at Edinburgh Villa, and then you went to Westlaco with Coach Salinas. You guys did a great job there in, in, in the two years you were there. Um, so you had a good situation. But what, what attracted you to, to, to the McAllen job when it came open? What, what, what is it about McAllen that makes it special? Uh, the community is real special. You know, I've always thought that this community in McAllen has been very special since I came down here in 2012. Um, you know, the kids, I believe, do a really, really good job, you know, competing in everything that they do. And so that's really what attracted me to it. And then, and then like I said, the people here in McAllen, you know, they, they show you a lot of love and they welcomed us in, you know, and, and you can't be any more thankful than that. Now, you grew up, uh, so for folks who don't know, know your background, you grew up in West Texas in the Lubbock area. You're a graduate of a friendship. I guess you played for Coach Davis. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, so you came down here. You see, football is special in West Texas. We all know that. It's got great tradition. You come down here to the Rio Grande Valley, and football is real special down here as well. It's, it's a big, de big deal down here. What is it about, to you, in your opinion, what is it about high school football in Rio Grande Valley that makes it so special? Well, you know what, down here, man, um, you know, the kids, uh, to me, they're really, really good athletes. You know, there's a lot of good quality talent down here and they work hard, you know, just like all the other kids in the state of Texas, they're going to give you everything that they got. And that's all you can ask for, you know, a young student athlete. And so with that being said, I mean, that that's very, very attracting as a head football coach, you know, because, you know, you're going to have a group of kids that's going to dedicate themselves to the program, to their community and take a lot of pride in what they do. There's a lot of passion down here, isn't it? I mean, you go you go to any stadium on a Friday night in the Valley and it, it's, it's going to be packed, right? Yes, yes, it's very packed. You know, a lot of a lot of pride, a lot of tradition, a lot of history from down here that, you know, a lot of people really don't know about unless you come down here and experience yourself. But once you get down here, you just fall in love with it. Now you, you, you were at a tradition pack program at Westlaco and now you're coming to Mac High, who's got maybe more tradition and been around longer than just about anybody in the Valley. Uh, does that add a little any extra pressure that you put on yourself because of that? Or do you want to uphold that tradition? Uh, no, not, not so much pressure, you know, pressure I thought is always good. You know, it uh, makes you work harder as a coach. It makes your coaching staff work harder. It allows your kids to understand what the expectations are in the program to reach those expectations and not be afraid of it. So, uh, you know, the, the, the pressure is good pressure. You know, that's something that we want. And, you know, hopefully the kids see it and they take pride in it and they, they get to work. All right, now uh, you're a first-time head coach, so you, you, you know every every head coach always has a uh, kind of mentors and guys that have kind of helped them grow as a coach. Uh, who are some of the guys that really helped you get to the position you are today? 
Uh, well, you know, I worked for my former uh, head coach over there in Westlaco, Michael Salinas. Also worked for him at Robert Villa High School. Um, I had a great mentor in my college uh, coach, Jimmy Keeling. Um, he did a great job, you know, working with me since, from a young age and getting me to where I need to be, uh, uh, you know, mentally to do a job like this, you know. And so by him, Coach Salinas, putting their hands on me at a young age, um, you know, they grew on me and made me the person I am. All right, final question for you. You're getting into the offseason. I guess the biggest thing is going to be getting to know your kids. Uh, as a new head coach at a new school, you want, you want to get to know your kids and from the seniors all the way down to your, to your younger guys, your, your incoming eighth graders. Uh, what's going to be the message that you want to instill to your kids as you get into the offseason program? Well, you know, my message that I'm trying to get to the kids right now is just understand we got to stress toughness, discipline, and accountability as much as possible. You know, not saying that, you know, it hasn't been there, but we got to stress it to these guys as much as possible. Um, to the younger kids coming up, get ready. I mean, you know, unity's got to be the secret, and we got to win today. Every single day we get out there in the weight room and on the field. Coach, appreciate your time. Congratulations on the new gig, and we'll see you in 2019. All right, man. Appreciate you. Thank Thanks, you very coach. much. There he is, Patrick Shelby, the head coach of the McAllen Bulldogs. Appreciate him taking a little bit of time to chat. Uh, Matt stepped down there in McAllen, um, first-year coach, um, and excited to see what uh, what's going to go on down there in, in McAllen. Uh, team just in need of jolt going to get a jolt there so excited to see what he does with the Bulldogs appreciate him taking some time to chat up Matt Stepp at the City of Palms Clinic in McAllen and now we go to Matt Max Thompson it's not your day man just I had to get day. off the air it's not your day. Uh, let's go to Max Thompson for America's second I'd love to get you off the air thoughts. man but we got a lot of final thoughts oh, God. Uh, Jacob John wanted you to know that the Spurs in the background at the uh, Embassy Suites make you gave Tepper a sort of aura which he doesn't deserve. No, certainly not. No. Um, so. Makes me, yeah. We, we were looking for a place. And yeah. It, it, we were looking for a place. We're like, well, here, over there. here, it's kind of out of the way. Like, we, you know, we don't want to be in the way when we're setting up camera and stuff. Well, this mural is lovely. It was like, well, it's going to be weird to be in front of this mural, but it's the best we can do. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for pointing it out. Yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, Ruben Rios with an important question. Has anyone made it to Tyler and had the Raider Blizzard yet? Okay. Well, have not, I've not heard anything. I've no anyone. <clears throat> I don't know if I. I don't know if I have permission to use his name. Oh. Okay, but I got a direct message. From oh the baby, <laughs> this was Friday at nine twenty-five. Okay, no. okay. Try to order a Raider Blizzard tonight. Was told they don't make them anymore. What? Ooh. There is drama what? in South Tyler. What? What? I again. I, I'm not. I'm not authorized to use his name. I'm happy to follow up with any questions you have. But he was told Ooh. that this source, this this deep throat undercover yeah. source, was told that they don't make them anymore. That just makes me want one even more. I know. Or That's, I want to know what's in them. I just, this is. Because I want to make my own. The freaking mm. Would you guys, I feel like I would like to own a Blizzard machine for like, like I'd like to rent one I almost, for like a party. This is a true right. story. That'd be fun. This is a true story. I ran into some dudes in college who had bought a surplus soft serve machine from a Dairy Queen on eBay. Oh, really? And they would make soft serve. And I was like, this is the dumbest idea, <laughs> and I want to do it. And I never did exactly, it. Exactly, right? I never did it, but I was always super. I was like, can we go hang out at their place again? Because they got that soft serve machine. There are, there are. So it's like, I mean, the, the adult version of that is like the kegerator, right? Is like yeah. something yeah. that yeah. is like you don't, you do not need. Yeah. You right. don't need. But when somebody has it, I'm like, that's impressive. You want to use it? Yeah. That's impressive. I want to yeah. use that. Uh, that's what we need. We need more dumb things you don't need, but I desperately you get want. it for the office. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, well, I mean, we're supposed to. We're supposed to get a gaming cabinet at some point. Yeah, at some point. We're supposed to get that. 
We can put listen, it on the list. We can put it second. Listen, I want to. I want to roll. I mean, Mad Men had it right. We need like a bar cart, right? Yeah, the bar cart. Somebody's walking yeah. around, guys. This. I mean, this office is cool. It could be cooler. Cool. Could be cooler. This is. It's, this office is getting a little too cool. That's <laughs> the problem. And we're gonna have everyone hanging out here before you know it. Uh, something we didn't touch on. Uh, I'm sure you, if you want to know more about it, uh, Shahan will have lots of thoughts this week on Republican football. Uh, Graham Harrell, he's yeah. gone. Yep, he's going gone. to USC. Uh, I mean, look, they, they USC was absolutely desperate, yeah. 100% desperate. They wanted their air raid guy. They <laughs> wanted a Texas Tech quarterback yeah. to be. Yeah. B.J. Simons wasn't returning yeah. their calls. I mean, yeah, he was just like, yeah, they were uh, like. Sunny Com- stocks down on Sunny Cumbie. Yeah, Sunny Cumbie's not coming. Yeah. Uh, who is the guy? They called him Sticks. Uh, the guy who who was who was after oh. um, after I want to say Cumbie or maybe Harrell. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Sheffield, Sheffield, uh, Stephen Sheffield, yeah. Stephen Sheffield, yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, he's available, but yeah. no. Uh, so yeah, Graham Harrell is leaving North Texas. Thirty-three-year-old Graham Harrell be off to corner at North Texas. The oh, Aaron, Aaron Flynn, Aaron Flynn, who by the way haven't told you guys this yet, turned down a job in Dallas. He hates us. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow, right? Message cool. received. All right, cool, uh, man. Sweet. Cool, cool story, Aaron. He yeah. says, why don't you guys have an NFL blitz? Well, Aaron. What do you think is on the way? We're working on that. In fact, we are working on the I, NBA Jam NFL Blitz Combo Arcade yes. game. is uh, Supposed to be on its way. Supposed to be on its way. Indefinitely. But it's coming. Yeah, do we have an update on that? We don't have it. I haven't gotten the latest, but that is actually getting installed here. So mm-hmm. you were joking, and but yet... That is actually already in the plans right. because, of course, it is. Um, oh, someone just Matt Step just walked. Did in. you guys see? Miziel brought this up by the way, and I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter before we logged on. Uh, Brad Davis got a, a zebra tattoo. I to did celebrate. see that. That's that amazing. must have been something that he told his team That's that like in, in the same. And way, it's not little. It's like no. his whole shoulder. It's awesome. It's like oh. a legit Brad, like, and, yeah. Bra- and Brad Davis, I'm, I'm, Brad Davis just retired, yeah. okay? Yeah. And guys, coaches don't retire when they're like 40, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. I'm not I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know if that's his first tattoo, but if that is, that's, that's got to be one of the um, the more experienced gentlemen to ever get their first tattoo. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> pretty, pretty awesome, though. Good for him. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, Flint says if he would have known we were getting the NFL Blitz uh, NBA Jam, he would not have turned that jo- that job down. Look, oh. if you can't handle us at our not N- F- NFL Blitzist, you don't deserve us at our NBA Jamists. Is that how that should go? <laughs> That's sure. a perfect way to close it. <laughs> uh, I do want to give one more shout, though. Sorry. It go. is a perfect way to close it. Uh, Mr. Homan. Out West says, hard to stop watching Major League Fishing today. This dude loves him some fishing. Used to be on the tour, by the way. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. We nice. didn't even get into that when he was mm-hmm. here. Made it home in time to, to for the show and stream Major League Fishing and Texas Football today. Whew. No one makes as much of an effort to make sure this show gets streamed in their home, and no one else is has a, as big a problem as Brent. Yeah. I sometimes I wonder if he, love if, him, if he should get help. T's yeah. and P's. Because we are the worst. We are. I don't, I don't know why. Somebody told me yesterday at the La Vega banquet, they said, uh, oh, I watch you on, on Friday nights with Craig Way and Rick Ritter all the time. And I go, no, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at textfootball.com. For Max Thompson and Ishmael Johnson, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow for Episode 700 on Text Football Today. Mm-hmm.